1: the experienced players John Rankins uh, Paul Payton uh, Chris Ersky these are top players uh, Blair Spittles they were, we, we had players that maybe just needed maybe, maybe dropping down to the uh, the championship and, and restructuring Simon Murray you know would go on to greater things uh, these were all there were, were enough quality there that I felt I could have worked with I'm putting you on the spot with this question um, I hope you don't mind me
0: asking the way it ended for mix suit, Dundee United, the way it ended for you, you've described as unsavoury. Was it ever tough to take mentally, considering you'd left Sheffield United to come back up to Dundee United?
1: 100%. Um, I can tell you, after that, I had some dark days. I had times where I'd never been used to this. I'd, I remember finishing up, uh, the last game was live at Rugby Park, and we beat Kilmarnock, uh, and again, the press were, were superb to me. I remember Stephen Cregan was the commentator that day, and he texted me after it, and he said, listen, youngie, um, that'll no go unnoticed, your record, um, you'll be fine. And I, I remember going out to my family that night for dinner, and after the game, um, the, the Kilmarnock manager had said to me, who was Lee Clark, would you consider coming to Kilmarnock um, as the under-20s manager for next year? And so for... for for it to be relegated, which, which I hated, I wasn't dining out in Dundee United's uh, demise, but I was finishing up. That was my last paid day at Dundee United. So from a personal perspective, we'd won the match. So that meant you did something right the preparation. Again, I had uh, bloodied another two young kids. Harry Souter had scored, and as I say, he would later go on to be sold for, for 250 grand. And the fact that somebody had, like Craggs, who had worked with Motherwell, um, had said, look, you'll be fine. Uh, people in the game, I'll, you know, don't don't know what a job you've done, and then Lee Clark to offer me a job right away. I went out with my family that night, and it was great. It was a great night. We, we actually, we were, you know, not celebrating, but we felt everything was, everything in the garden was rosy. Um, I didn't think later on when we discussed the up thing, it, it wasn't right for me. Um, and I think I made the right decision there, but for the next six months. I really suffered badly. Um, The first month you're fine because you're actually, you've you've worked for the last so many years that you're enjoying that bit of of break um, and a bit of free time. But then there's only so many times you can paint the house, only so many times you can do the best garden in the street. (laughs) Um, And and I look back laughing at that day. I painted the whole house from top to bottom. Um, But then, because I kept thinking something will come, something had come. I got down to the last two at Burnley for the head of coaching job and um, it, it, it went to somebody else I believe that was a political decision because um, Dick Bate who was a consultant at the time who was a, a, very similar to Craig Brown in terms of his tenure in the game and his reputation he contacted me and said look I don't think that's the right decision they've made but he was only a consultant um, so again I was I was flattered and um, humbled that he'd take the time to you know, he speak to me about that. So these were these were wee things that weren't going for me. There was other jobs possibly going to come up, but never materialised. And I then started to become quite... Without knowing it, I was spending more time in my own company. Um, and I wasn't really going out. I didn't fancy going out, yeah, because you get that wee bit of embarrassment. I would be sitting in... I've got a fantastic circle of friends. I really have. Uh, people that have known my friends from football and my friends from school or my or my family friends. I'd be in their company and actually no liking them. Because I, they're all happier and about me and I I just felt that cloud hanging over me. It's... It, I don't think that leaves you. I think when you've got that, you don't realise it. I went to the doctors and he gave me... He says, look... And again, he's... He'd been... Uh, Some of my medical records, like him doing football, you've not really not got any because they're all with clubs. Um, so he, he he was really understanding and... He kind of suggested I, I talk to somebody and I should maybe take some medication. And I, he prescribed me, you know, some stuff and I've still got it in the house. I've never taken it because at the same time, I met a guy that I'd been friendly with, you know, for years and years. And he says, he you, you training? Uh, and I said, no. And he says, right, we're boxing every Sunday, every, every every morning, seven o'clock. And Tommy Murphy was great me friend that he would... I would something got up for the morning, and I'd go in a box and then that would get my adrenaline going, that would get my endorphins going, but see, by two o'clock in the afternoon, big black cloud again, because I, I couldn't see anything happening. Um, and anybody that's been in that position will know what I'm talking about. Um, I used to kind of underestimate people when, when I heard that somebody was maybe feeling down or depressed. I thought, no, that's impossible. That, that, that's If you're depressed, you, you choose to be depressed That's not the case You don't ask to be uh, feeling sorry for yourself You don't ask to not really be comfortable Going into other people's company Because one, it's not a paranoia But you think, ah, oh, you know uh, what you? And my, my mates used to be brilliant to say, ah, some will come up And he's, what, there's nothing coming up no so many times you can hear it. Aye and you know, listen, you're too good to boot the game and you know, nobody's too good to boot the game, but you're it, it's so easy to get into a downward spiral. I could I, I understand how people could could drink or, or gamble, um but I got a strong family around about me. Um I say to you about my, my friends or the phone never rings, you'll hear people in football saying, when you're in the game, my wife will say switch your phone off from we're having dinner. But see, when you're not working, the phone never rings. You're you're waiting for "Ah, somebody, somebody knows you're a good coach, somebody knows you're a good manager. They don't, life goes on. Other people, uh, it's no dancing in your grave, but there's so many, uh, demand and supply is is out of kilter. There's far more supply than there is demand. uh, And and that's with the amount of people that are looking to either stay in the game or get back in the game. And, And people will take ridiculous salaries or ridiculous jobs just to uh, get back in the game. So, I had uh, I'm 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 not too ashamed to to say that I had uh, had really that days, um, and no many people know about it. And it'll come back periodically, at times where you're not expecting it. You can snap the face off somebody. You're not the same person, and because you were a joker or you are a, you like a bit of fun, that used to annoy me, because I used to think, you know, who makes a clown laugh? And they don't understand that because they've ever known you as, as, as that exuberant, outgoing person. And I'm not going to name names, but there are people I know that I, and I work with. They'll tell me the same things because they've been through that experience. Um, And, and we, we need to talk about this more. There, there There's too many people in life, not just football, that are going through a hard time. And the signs are, there's no signs. Because you choose whether you want to... Open up to people. If you give out signs that you need, you need a bit of help. You actually need to vocally say I need a bit of help. That's what I didn't understand. I, I thought you know people must know that I'm feeling down. Um, my wife would know when I was down. She would know when I would go quiet. Uh, my you know my kids would know. Uh, but out with that, people wouldn't know. But your your livelihood's been taken away for you, and. You feel a responsibility. You've got you've got a two year contract that has been ripped up. The injustice and the unfairness of that, when you know you've done a good job, um, and you know that your family suffers for that, you then start to feel you've let them down, and well, we were never, <laughs> never in the breadline or never in a situation where, um, it, it was going to really affect your life. That can't go on and on because at some point there's not enough money, and and I've got a friend that. I'm not telling you his name because he's not a football friend he's, he's he's one of my circle of friends but I know a football guy and, and came to the house and said to me you know you don't need to worry if you need anything you just come to me and he doesn't know how how much that one it made you feel that somebody thought about you but two that, that there's a reality there that, that at some point maybe I needed to sell a house people don't they, they don't resonate with that. They just look at when things are going well and that there, that's you put pressure on your family as well and that's that's just a period of my life that I'm glad that it's over I'm glad that you hopefully come out the other end of it but I still have days where and I, I, I've, I've had I've I'll snap the face off somebody or I'll I'll just I'll do something that's it, it's it's untoward and it's coming for you that but that place at the back of your head that it's probably a reaction to something. Your your natural reaction is to lash out, and if I've ever done that to anybody, you know I apologise because it's it's been the devil talking. But the the upside of it was, I lost. <laughs> I got into a, I a reasonable shape, and that was then to got into the boxing, uh, and that was done to my wee mate the sheriff, uh, who has you don't get the name of the sheriff for nothing. So he <laughs> made me. He made me go, and uh, that that got me in a, a good place. So it's something I've never really spoken about before. But um, for all the people I've been crabby to, and I uh, don't know that's the reason why I've been so off with them.
0: In terms of myself, I've been very open. I'm an ambassador now for for back on side um, mental health charity here in Scotland, and I've had my struggles over the last year. I've been open about that. I, I wrote an article about it, just hoping they can. At least help one person Because the stats for Males and, and young males as well Are just as you've mentioned earlier Are just start They're too big There's too much of that going on And for me I can safely say It's the toughest battle I have ever had to face last year You've obviously been in football You're a football man You've shared changing rooms As a player As a manager As a coach Would you say that your Mental health battle Is one of the toughest battles If not the toughest battle You've had to face
1: I would say so Because I never knew I had it Or I didn't want to admit it Um bringing the medication back home. I put it in the cupboard and I put it up on the top shelf because I'm a short arse and I couldn't reach it. <laughs> but it was the thing that I, it was, it was going to be my default if I ever needed it. I was going to try the, the therapy. I was going to, but the first thing I did was, exercise was an easy thing for me to go to because I, I, I've I been fit all my life. um. But I knew that I had to do something. um, And the first thing was uh, to admit it and and I remember, you know, Avon saying to me, It's a, it's a condition. It's an it's an imbalance in your in your your body. And that kinda helped me knowing that nobody wants to admit that was they're, they're no feel I mean, we, we, we had a we we'd player the other week, uh, was telling us he was fit and I knew he wasn't fit. And it's back to that admitting again that mm-hmm. do you know what? It's life, you know, you, you it's probably as males, probably my age group as well, and and you know my position in society. We probably come for a generation where it's it's no good to you know you you were weak if you were if you admitted any any form of uh you know abnormality. So, I I am not ashamed, and I'm I, I'm far more open to it, you know now than 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 what what I knew about. In terms of being a coach.
0: Working obviously with young guys quite a lot of the time. Do you just having been through that experience yourself? Try and look out for them on a personal level as well as a professional level because, as you say,
1: you've been there yourself. Totally, I not the people are good at hiding things. Absolutely. So the only way you can break that down is be talking to them. See if you engage with somebody, you you'll find you you. There's a pathway. You, it's a domino effect. You can hit a couple of buzzwords. That'll. Unre- uh, people unknowingly or unwittingly will actually tell you something I'll, I, I'm probably stalling a game just now because I never made it as a top, top player um, but I had a good education behind me I, I, I had good uh, further education in, in terms of management training so I knew how to ask open questions and that, that's something I forgot about because I, I was close with everybody and one of the things that since then Every club I've been at, and even when I coach the kids at the school, I always say, how are you doing? And see if somebody says, all right, I say, no, that, all right, it's not. you good? How good are you? Or if somebody's saying, I am, I'm, I'm no bad. No bad's, no bad isn't good. And probably it's, it's been my catch word. All the, all the countries have, I've been lucky enough to work in and coach in, I would always greet the players in the morning, every player. And I say, how are you this morning? How's things? I like to know about... We've got four players in our dressing room just now, one whose wife just had a baby, there's another three pregnant wives. Um, I know about some of my players that have got autistic kids, and I think that helps, your, it helps you as a manager. and It also helps your, your reasoning when you're, you're making a decision about how it would affect somebody. So the more you know about people, the better. Before, but people just looked to you as a winger, a midfield player, a defender, and they didn't know that my lifestyle. They didn't know about, you know, and probably people that have, have had problems. Clubs suddenly engaged with players enough to know about them, uh, and I think that's changing. I think that has changed. Um, certainly, the clubs that are adopting wellbeing models um, for fitness are also doing that uh, with, with, with mental conditioning as well and I think that's that's a big breakthrough you went to
0: America after all so you leave Dundee United you get through a tough spell you get into the
1: boxing you're you're going through that tough spell and then by the way see when I was boxing everybody I hated was on that bag (laughs) (laughs) I was punching Anthony Joshua because I had everybody's everybody's face that ever wronged me every (laughs) morning at 7 o'clock and every time I sparred with Murphy, Murphy used to say to me, "You're ten stone and you're punching like sixteen stone," because I had that anger in me, and it was great to get out. So, I I still go to the boxing now, but I couldn't have beat sleep.
0: <laughs> in terms of going to America, you obviously mentioned the the boxing exercise there that got that kind of anger out in you. Why did you then decide to take the challenge on in America? A completely different challenge to what you're used to.
1: I had to make money. People thought it was, uh, the, you know, the, the press are saying, oh, it's a lifestyle change. No, it wasn't. My wife was still here. My daughter was still here. My son is just finishing a soccer scholarship in uh, South Carolina. He'd already gone there. But no, this was a, this was an offer I'd got. I'd been out to work. Barry Smith had phoned me. Again, the, the people that you always... It's, it's people that think about you. And Barry Smith called me and says, I've got East five job. He says, look, there's no any money in it. He says, but would you, you want you to come in as my assistant? And absolutely, it was it was the whole point of being involved. It was the whole point of him thinking that I could help him. Um, the money was was irrelevant. Um, and I got in there and it was great. Again, another guy that I worked so well. I've I've been so lucky with the people that I've I've, I've came across in football and especially worked with. You know, I could, I could way back to the start, for Billy Davis, the Terry Butcher, to Morris Malpass, Eric Black, um, Chris McCart. Um, Alex Smith Paul Hegarty um, Stuart McCall Craig Brown Archie look at you're rhyming off people that are absolute legends in the game and Paul Hartley Barry Smith these are people I've just mixed with but they're unbelievable characters in Scottish football that I've, I've thought I've been worthy enough to work with them and Barry and I had a great time at East Fife I was only there for three months but again luckily enough we never get beat we got to the last 16 in the Scottish Cup I got an offer. i again I'd been fortunate, um, through a good friend, David Robertson, um, who, who works out in the States. Not no no, no Robo that was played at Rangers and um who's who's in Arizona, uh, another uh, guy that worked at Motherwell and he used to invite me out to coaching symposiums in the summer and wh- when I wasn't working he reached out to all the clubs in that uh North California saying, Look, the guy Gordon Young that that, that would present to you and um came out and worked here um in the summers, is looking for a new challenge. That's how he dressed it up. He didn't say Gordon Young's out to work here, he's ready to sign in the broom <laughs> he's uh, punching everybody in, in, in Lanarkshire. And I had a few offers uh, for clubs in in the States um and I chose one of the clubs and again I meet a guy Gavin Glinton that, that, that played in the MLS with with the galaxy with Beckham and he actually resigned for his role to make me the head of the, the club. And went down to a lesser job because he felt me coming over he'd learn and and these are other things that are so uh humble and people's you know how they think that he thought you know i'm, I'm going to go from technical director down to head coach because i, I I've, I've seen this guy over here four or five times he can run our club i can work for him i can learn and i can get better and again that's so it was an opportunity to go there and what it was it, it was a complete reverse back to the academy again so I went, I went in and I used all my academy, academy experience to restructure the club and I got offered the assistant manager's job at Fresno FC who were um, a new um, USL club so again that was people that, that thought you know you were, you could bring something to the party so I had a wonderful I had a wonderful year out there my golf went great I was playing <laughs> off nine because I was playing every Friday um, I used to go to the horse racing on a Sunday Golden Gate Dollar Day I had a great lifestyle but again I was on my own and while I, I was busy I was I, it was fantastic I was earning good money um I had my I had my dark days when like Sunday night you know with the time difference of these back sleeping I've got nothing to do and you try and navigate your way out of it but I was able to do that because of the the previous experiences I had So I never went to the the States as uh, life changing or career changing. I went out of necessity. Um, And then I had the offer to come back home for a third of the salary. How crazy is that? (laughs) You
0: mentioned the fact that you get the offer to come back home, a third of the salary, and that offer obviously is from Falkirk with Paul Hartley. Why on earth did you come back considering that? You've just said a third of the salary. That's, That's unbelievable.
1: It was to get back. It was to get back with the family. It was to get back to your your. Uh, not, not that I was. Uh, it wasn't really an insecurity thing, but it was getting back into mainstream football. I, I loved my, my my year in uh, America, but I feel it's something I could go back later on. Um, if I was, if it was purely lifestyle, if it was and the family were there, I probably wouldn't have come back. Um, but I, I quite fancied getting back into the the mainstream football again and again. There's there's the common denominator. Craig Brown phones me and said, uh, Paul Hartley's been on here. I'm asking for. Um, anybody he thought would be a good assistant. Craig recommends me. Uh, I'm actually on the plane. I've been home, and I've, I've I went for Glasgow to Heathrow, and I'm just taking off the Heathrow. I'm on the phone to Craig, and he's telling me, uh, "Would you be interested in?" As I'm before I can say yes, the signal goes because I shouldn't be on the now the phone, but the the the, t- the plane's taking off, and I'm then eleven hours in transit a lot across Atlantic, and I don't know what I've said to Craig. When I get arrived there, it's the middle of their night because of the time difference, so I've got to wait till the next morning, and I go and I say, listen Craig, I don't know what the last bit you got there, but I'd be interested. He says, right, I'll, um, I, I get a call from Paul, and um, we're, again, we're, we're past eh, experiences. Where when when Paul was the manager at Alawa, I was the di- academy director at Motherwell, and I used to give him players on loan, and I knew how well he treated them, and they told me how, how well that he treated them, so there there was the wee the be links again, I always believe is uh what what happens. So once I'd spoken to him, I'd made it quite clear I was happy to come back and he'd done his homework and spoke to a few people, mainly Craig, and he offered me the job to come back and I don't regret it. Um the day before I left it was 32 degrees. I was playing golf. I flew back and we played Livingston on the Saturday. It was like minus four and then we had this bad <laughs> winter where we had six weeks' snow drifts. I've got a suntan and I'm I'm trying to shovel two fat of snow with my drive, but I was happy to be back, I was it was it was great. From California to, to Falkirk, I think that's an incredible journey,
0: to be fair, but it's safe to say. Um you go to work with Paul Hartley, obviously known as a, a legendary Scottish football player and he's done really well as a manager wherever he's been. What was it like working with with Paul at Falkirk? Because both of you got a lot of hard time for the situation at Falkirk particularly just towards the end but you left that season about three or four games in the club had plenty of time to stay up after you left they invested a ton of money in the new management team who they, take, who they took from another championship club had to pay a compensation not just to that club but to the league for whatever transpired they threw money at it in January and ultimately still went down How, so see where, wait, see where, see where Falkirk are now do you reflect on your time there differently, obviously from 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 your perspective being
1: well, actually in there? It was it was again another kind of strange scenario. Um, in the summertime, Mixu gets the manager job of Latvia, so he phones me and says, "Would I be interested in being the assistant?" Which most of the assistants in the national team work with clubs, so it was it was fun. Fant- it was another opportunity to for me to develop as a a, play, a person and as a coach. So I can now say, you know, I are not my bow. Went to Paul and I says, "Listen, Paul, how would you feel about me?" Absolutely. No, listen, that's great. That's f-. honestly, I couldn't have been any happier. It meant that I would go away in the international breaks for for eight days. So Paul was more than happy for me to gain gain more experience. I also felt that, as you do, I would be then experiencing different tactical um, uh, opportunities in the game. I'd see different cultures. I'd, I I I as well as me being better, I thought I could bring more back to Falkirk, so I'd become a bit more like everything else, you're learning all the time. Uh, so that was great. Summertime came. We'd finished the season on a high. Um, The club had chosen to go down a different route, they'd scrapped their academy. They also were using a model where they um, they hired a recruitment manager who was based down south. And and the idea was they spoke to Brentford a lot, they also looked at likes what Mother were doing. Motherwell had shopped in the non league, you know, the, the conference, and got players like Mole and these type of players up, polished them up and sold them on. So the, the theory was good, but where it broke down was we were shopping in a market for four or four, five hundred quid a week. Motherwell was spending fifteen hundred, or Inverness or Ross County, they were bringing up players that were at a level that, that they obviously had to pay for. So we were actually bring, we were bringing academy kids from Chelsea, um Watford, Leicester. These were kids that had no experience of playing with men. But we bought into it. We said right absolutely not a problem. Um the kids were fantastic that came up. Ruben Sampa for Chelsea. Uh we 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 kids that had come out of good academies, Yakubiak, uh, that we'd got on and loan Andy Nelson that we'd brought up for for Sunderland. These were these were kids that that needed help and that application and their attitude to training was absolutely top-drawer. Every session was of of a high, high uh, standard, but they never had experience of playing with men. They were coming up against guys with 15 years experience who could not run but would knock them in their arse. They would have guys that would just be able to step in in front of them because they had experience of playing at that level. We had young kids that were learning the game, so the decision to fire Paul was absolutely absurd it made no sense whatsoever there was three games as you see, into the season these kids whether they're going to come good we actually identified three or four we brought Paul Payton in uh, and we we, we realised that the, the kids needed help and I thought somebody like Patsy would, would certainly do that um, and we identified three or four others we, we knew at that point we had a great pre-season but it was artificial because we weren't actually going out and playing in, in, in the leagues we went and played up at Aberdeen at Arbroath and we were fantastic that night uh, Derek McInnes I remember asking us about one or two were players that we just brought up so they were going to keep an eye on them but then we went into the Bet Fred which was playing against them in Tross and Inverness and then the league campaign started and it was again playing against seasoned pros and these kids weren't right so we, we we knew then that we had to bring some experience and the plan was we would bring three or four players in that would stiffen us up a wee bit that would like, like, uh, let some of the younger ones develop and then we would we would we uh, would Evolve through the season. Expectation levels were high, unrealistic expectations. The fans, and again, a good club with a great, sound fan base. They they expected us to piss the league, and when we saw when they saw the first two or three games, some of the kids been off it a wee bit. They panicked, and the board panicked, and, and I felt that was the wrong decision. When I had arrived and met Paul, we just had to off right away, and we were no yes yes to each other. We're no. It's no good, cop. Bad cop. Probably is a wee bit. I'm probably bad cop. But um, we've got a a really strong working relationship. How we how we we see the game. How we want to train to play for the game. How the game is. Um, so I I thought it was a a terrible knee jerk reaction. We um, at such an early point in the state in the, in the season. I thought I think it was actually a catalyst that year, for about three or four managers getting the sack. I think a, a few clubs after that went. Oh, do you know what? We can get ready someday now. It was unheard of. Um, it was coming up to the international break, and I was going to wait a, I think Georgia, and home to somebody, so I was finished front. We played Ross County on the Saturday, um, and I was going to be with the national team the next day. So I I just thought it was a terrible way to conclude that, that that management team.
0: In terms of how quickly ended, obviously. I'm not trying to ask you to sensationalise this and obviously slag or falk at where they are now not at all but see from where they are now do you feel that people looking back at the job you and Paul did will have a different perspective on it considering that as we said or as I said to be fair they did throw a lot of money at it especially in the January
1: again that's not really when I leave a club um, I always, always try and leave the way I went in um, and I wish them well at the end of the day they paid me um, all of the clubs but I reckon I've you know I end I end what I, what I got um but I think it was it was a club that that needed a game rebuilt they'd no youth system so they'd no reserve team so you were basically bringing in players um ad hoc and hoping it hit the ground running you didn't have the luxury of bringing some young kids in um and the young kids that they had unfortunately had been the good kids had been taken when when the club announced that the academy was no longer uh, going to operate, so the uh, the vultures or the predators came in and, and and snapped up the kids that had you know any kind of chance um, and unfortunately the players that we were bringing up on on the budget that were that was used they weren't good enough at that stage to you know to sustain a challenge that was going to keep the club um in a in a good position.
0: I want to ask you about Latvia and, of course, Mick supat Big character in Scottish football, we worked with him a few times. What's it like as a coach and also what was it like from your perspective working with a national team? Well,
1: that's the opposite of me, Paul. He was a bad cop and I was a good cop. <laughs> um, it, it was another... It was an eye-opener because we, we'd got, I'm going into a full international uh, team environment. I'm working with guys who are playing in Holland, uh, Poland, Czech Republic, France, Switzerland... A um, Latvia might be a, be a small country. Uh, they've got two tennis players in the top ten. Uh, they've got a basketball player in the NBA. Um, it was a great opportunity for me, and it was a, it was another, it was another learning curve. These these are things that have kept coming my way, and I'm so grateful for them. To go into the it was a Euro, it was the start of that Euro Nations League, and it meant we go away to Georgia, go away to Kazakhstan, go away to Andorra. Um, um the next campaign would see israel poland um it was a fantastic experience this was this was um this was at a level where we'd be flying charter we'd be going through time zones we'd be preparing teams for for a double header at home and away going into yeah, different countries uh coming up against top players in europe so it was a a great great experience for me and again and Mixing must have thought I was capable of doing that and, uh take me with him, So I'm, I'm grateful for him for that.
0: In terms of the standard of the Latvian national team, what, would
1: t- what was it like? They, they were in a transition, but what they, what they have got is good young players coming through. They've got young play because the, the marketplace, the, the top European nations, were taking their kids at fifteen and sixteen. They were seeing the, those like. Imagine Scotland's under 16 team playing in the Victory Shield, well we had the Baltic Cup, well we had players, uh, 16 and 17 year olds playing in Den Haag, uh, Alkmaar, uh, Sion, uh, young boys, um, we had a couple of players playing in uh, the Czech Republic, uh, we had a couple of players playing in um, Poland, with one playing in Russia. so. Those young kids were getting good experience, and we were going to we were starting to bring them in the team. It was an aging squad. It was a squad that we really wanted to use the uh, the Nations League to prepare the the team for the the Euros, and that's the way they're going down. Their technical director was was absolutely bang on. Um, the general manager was was terrific, and they saw the the, the plan. Um, and that's what got me the the job with the FK Paya in the Latvian Premier League, they had saw me working at the national team level um, and they wanted me, go- I, ironically, they wanted me go out in the, the summer. Um, I rejected the offer out of hand. Um, again, financially, it was way ahead of what I was getting Falker, but I had a loyalty to Paul and also the loyalty to the, the plan the club had. I'd come back to California set, signed a three-year contract. Last thing I'm expecting is for me to fire the manager after three games. And coincidentally, I then go to the uh, the get the get together for the the double header, and the club that had offered me the job didn't know my circumstances at Falkirk, but said to me, "Do you not fancy that again?" Now circumstances have changed, and I don't tell them that I'm I've just left Falkirk You know, the day before, I say, "I would give a talk," and I go and talk to them, and they offer me the job and. I go there and we, we qualify for the Europa League for the first time in their history. Um it's a nice success story.
0: When you're managing obviously abroad, what are the challenges and, and what was it like?
1: Language, obviously. Uh culturally. Uh you're in a you're in a, a country, my experience was Latvia. Uh they're only twenty-eight years independent for Russia, so you've still got the you've got the remnants of old Russia. Um the generation, my generation, the generation above, speak Russian. It's only the younger ones that that speak um a lot of English. Um, being probably the the best football team in the Baltic region, and uh, we managed to win the Baltic Cup, um again for for the first time for a wee while, which was it, it, it keeps your credibility and it keeps your stock high, but when you're managing there. Like going to Cove, you've got to create an environment. You've got to get into a dressing room and get the players believing in you. You've got to get the players jailed. Um, you've got to get them you know, with a direction. When I go in the club, were fourth bottom, and um, we had twenty odd games to go away. You know, to the end of the season, we won sixteen out of eighteen games, one 0 because the way we set up, I knew we weren't the best offensively, but we were the best defensively. So scoring an early goal, we could defend a lead. So I made sure in the first 15-20 minutes we went mad shit, gung-ho, trying to score a goal. Then I knew we could, in-game, we could revert back to a more defensive type. Because I'd sought the national team. I'd saw their characteristics. They still had that real steely defensive capability. We would go to Georgia and draw. We'd go to Kazakhstan, I remember. We went to Kazakhstan, um, drew one each. That's the team that beat Scotland 3-0 but we could defend. We knew how to get men behind the ball. We knew how to suffocate teams. We knew how to uh, make it difficult. And, you know, the people talk about parting the bus. That's what I used to do. I used to try and score early and and then defend.
0: You've been a coach who's, you've had many roles we've talked about through this interview. You've worked in the academy with Mullerwell. You've worked as an international academy manager abroad for Sheffield United. You've been a number two at clubs. You've been a manager in your own right. You've worked with national teams, as I say, in different countries. What advice would you give to any sort of young coach in the game who's maybe looking for opportunities in Scotland or out with?
1: That's a great question. I spoke to Malky Mackay the other week here um, and he was saying there are not enough people uh, i have done what you've done uh, in terms of trying it abroad. Um, and again, I, I never went. It wasn't one of these things where I woke up in the morning and says it's probably when you're a young kid, you go on holiday and everybody wants to be a, a holiday rep. Because for two weeks in Ibiza, you see these people in the sun, you see them, um, having a great time. Um, it was it was through the, the Sheffield United thing that that let me travel. Um, it made me, it made me no afraid to travel. That was a big thing. So it was a job opportunity, and as long as my family were happy with it, I'd be more than happy talking to coaches. I think, the SFA just now, year on year, there's something like eighty ninety player ex players or people in the game trying to get their re license. There's not enough, not enough jobs in the country. It doesn't take a, a mathematician to work out if 90 people are passing an A licence every year. There's only 40 clubs in Scotland. So where is all the coaches going? That's what makes that vicious merry-go-round And some of these unreasonable chairmen who can fire people and know that there's 90 people with an A licence or, you know, I think there's you know, a couple of hundred you know, with pro licence. But there's people out there that will take the job. Um, my advice to people... You need to do your homework. You need to know the country you're going into. You need to know the culture. But also when you're there, you've got to embrace the culture. You can't go in there. I, I've, never, I've never gone in where I know everything. I've never, because I don't. I know actually like, hee-haw. But you, you don't go in and saying that this is the way I'm going to do it. And, uh, you, know, you know, this is, you've done nothing for years. You try and win hearts and minds first. You try and show them a wee bit of empathy. And I think if you display... Um, a human side to and then prove your knowledge then you, you'll you get them coming with you all day long. I, I had some tremendous uh, experiences over there and wonderful accolades that people... You know, one of the nicest things uh, the captain said to me, he says every day I come in here, he says you make this club better. That, that's a wonderful compliment for a guy that's played in uh, South Africa you know, 60 caps for Latvia and doesn't it he need he's not my friend by any man of means, but the fact that he can he can see that you're bringing something different and you're helping them uh and has got the, the ability to, to tell you that is it's, it's a nice accolade for me. I'd like to
0: finish with a round of quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. You've coached obviously as we've te- said different countries, different roles. Who are the best team you've come up against from a coaching perspective?
1: Ooh. Seth with some good european travels um some really good youth teams when i was academy director we, we actually beat Zenit st petersburg we beat az altmar um, i remember we played uh, of moscow uh, who were, were absolutely fantastic um, in the training camps uh, in, in february there i took fk lapaya to turkey for four weeks uh, we were prepared for the league because it's a a summer league and we played CSK Moscow and they were they were we couldn't get the ball they were just so technically good we went to Azerbaijan who were technically very good um some of these countries um Kazakhstan um the the, the dynamics of the games changing they're, they're no stereotypical as you, as you would see um Stoya Bucharest with Motherwell in the Europa League. I thought they were, were were excellent. Um anytime you went to the old firm, I'd be lying not to say, you know, that it was daunting. I talk about you know, Paul and I talk about it and I, I try and say, it, you know, the players, I want I want that mentality that when you come to Cove, they won fourteen league games in a row. I want that siege mentality. I always felt, you know, you we'd go to Parkhead, we'd go to Ibrox, you, you had a belief that you could some out the game, you had a game plan, but you'd be lying to say that it wasn't intimidating. Um. So any time, or, or majority of times, going to Celtic and Rangers, I felt were were, were very uh, challenging, because uh, they had still at that time some great players.
0: I'm putting you on the spot with this question, and understand you might not want to name names. Are there any youth players you worked with in particular who... You're just absolutely stunned
1: didn't make it as pros considering how good they were at a young age? Mm, Not many actually no make it as pros. Some, I'm surprised they didn't go at a higher level. I think I mentioned earlier on I, I was, Stephen Saunders got his first cap and I actually thought he would be a Scottish captain. Um, I remember telling Alan Burrows this we were doing a uh, pre-season camp down in uh, the Borders and he was with us and and he told me this years later He says I remember you saying He'd he'd play for Scotland And uh, I thought he might have Went on to bigger things I thought Bob McHugh would, would certainly go on to bigger things I'm hoping David Turnbull Will be a Scotland captain um, Stephen Lawless Was a wonderful guy To have up him So the, the career he's had Is is, is fantastic um, But I'll tell you what Aye Jamie Pollock Jamie Pollock I'm not actually sure Where he is now Er uh, I remember Blackburn and Liverpool and clubs been interested in him. He would play for Motherwell under Jim Gannon at maybe 17. And I thought he would a wonderful talent. And unfortunately, didn't he make it in the game at all. Um, Dario Quinn was a centre-half at a, a Rocco Quinn's brother. I thought he might have had a wee chance. Um, but we had great... I've got that team, first team, Ross Forbes. What a wonderful player, scored in Europe. Jonathan Page, Sean Hutchison. Um, Gary Smith played a game for Motherwell One Europe um, and played with Sheltz and Juniors I think the next year and that, that's that's what happens in football but I'm I'm glad that when I, I a Sunday morning is great for me it's you look up the results in every league and I always go through the teams and I look for players that are that are in the teams if they've played that day before and I'm delighted if they're, if they're forwards I always look if Bob scored um, and that goes all the way down I'll, I keep tabs a the USL in America, people have coached. Um, keeping tabs of the, of the Indian League, keeping tabs of obviously the Latvian League. So, Sunday morning goes into about Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> in terms of from a football perspective,
0: I've got a couple of daft questions. Really, what's your favourite football stadium to go, whether it's as a coach
1: or manager or just to watch a game of football? Um, Tyne Why Tynecastle? Castle? I just think the atmosphere is always good. I think it's close to the pitch. There's always I I've never been to Tain Castle when there's been less than fifteen thousand there, um so that's always been really enjoyable, um. Going into. Parkhead and Ibrox, because of the facilities, is always really nice. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've hated this season going to some of the uh, the places, um, which are non-salubrious. Um, but some of that I think is down to their choice. I think if you look at Cove being a benchmark, I know it's a new club, but we're going into facilities that I came out as a player thirty year ago, and they're exactly the same. I think the carpet was still the same as some of the dress rooms I was in this season. But so I've not enjoyed that. Um, but I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed my season. I've enjoyed my um experience, and nobody's too good to you. You can't say because you've you've coached in the Champions League or the Europa League that you shouldn't be coaching in the second division. I'm delighted I got the chance to, to come back and uh, to work at Cove. So, I think you've always got to be grateful.
0: What about your least favourite ground? And I don't mean in terms of as a stadium. I mean, like a, maybe it's a bogey ground for yourself as a player or a, or a coach. Just a ground you go and you know. Like for instance, you look at Celtic this season. Any time they've went to Livingston, uh-huh. it's been an absolute nightmare. And, they, and I'm sure Neil Lennon would say that himself. If you get one of those grounds as well where you just went and you went or it is we just, we're always
1: in for a tough game here for, for whatever reason you had it as a player I mean even at my level there was, there was grounds where I knew I, I didn't fancy playing um, and that, that was in your mindset and also knew there was grounds that I, I would score in or I would play well um, I think it, at the coaching level I think you're, you're more wrapped up in it there's more there's more preparation involved. Guys will tell you, when you're a player, you just need to turn up. Not just turn up, but you're you know only looking at your game and you're looking at your self-preparation. When you're a coach or a manager, you're looking at the bus times, you're looking at the travel arrangements, you're looking at the hotels, you're looking at the pre-match, you're looking at the warm-up, you're looking at the opposition, you've studied the opposition, you've trained all week to play against them, you go out and you've got the conditions like the last couple of weeks to take into consideration. You're looking at their team changes, you're looking at their... The line-up, you're, you're, you're guessing how they're going to play, you're, you're, you're looking, if we prepared properly against this? And then the team line changes.
0: If you had to make a 5 aside side team of all the managers you've worked with, who'd be in it?
1: would <sighs> need to be a 15-a-side team. <laughs> um, there's, no, there's nobody able to leave out. Aye, there is, there's one manager would leave out. <laughs> and people, all, people that know me, people I'll be able to work it out. But uh, everybody I've, I've had the pleasure to work with, there's only one manager I would uh, I'd leave out and I, I mean narrow it down. He wasn't Scottish. He didn't last too long at Motherwell, <laughs> um, but I would have every other one. Uh, I'd make the five aside team a thirty-five aside team because I loved working with everyone them But it's been a pleasure, Golden. Thank you very much. Absolutely, thank you. So we'll
0: dive down to the ocean i we'll make her home in a deep sea cave And shells, will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make her home in a deep sea cave And shells, will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song